Come on everybody and gather around Your boys Josh and Dustin gonna break it down Survivor is our favorite show If you're a fan too then we thought that you should know That we recap every episode Blindsides, idle plays, advantages, and twists. Just listen to your boys. Survivor Analyst. The Survivor Analyst. The Survivor Analyst. Analyzing gameplay and strategy. Got sent home. Damn, what a tragedy. Every tribal vote and confessional. You can trust us. We're survivor professionals. Blindsides, idle plays, advantages, and twists. Just listen to your boys, the survivor analyst. Blindsides, idle plays, advantages, and twists. Just listen to your boys, the survivor analyst. The survivor analyst. The Survivor Analyst. The Survivor Analyst. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Survivor Analyst Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Mims, and we're back with another great interview for you guys. But first, join with me here, as always, my uh, co-pilot on this plane that I call the Survivor Analyst Podcast, and that's Dustin King. Oh God! I thought you were going to say DK chilling again. I had to change Bro. it up. You were complaining about well, it. I had you. to change it up. I know, I know, <laughs> and I appreciate the change. What is up, everybody? Super excited about our guest today. Uh, fun fact: our guest was like the second highest drawing podcast that we've put out. Is so, that true? Um, it is. Wow. It is. True. Wow. What was number one? Mm-hmm. So, our season forty premiere. Awesome. Winners at war, man. That's great. That I feel good about that. Let's get into our special guest here. It's none other than the head editor for Survivor Michigan, Mr. Ian Harris. Hello, hello. Happy to be here and uh ready to to divulge all of the secrets, all of the all the drama, anything that you ever wanted to know about Survivor Michigan seasons one through five, I can tell you. Uh, the secrets it's all out of the bag I, there's nothing i have to hide anymore i can tell you everything i know about survivor michigan so it's been like two weeks now since the finale aired how's it been now that it's like over everything's out there like you said man it is so weird uh it's so weird you know uh i actually have not been sleeping very well i keep i keep waking up in the middle of the night thinking i have like episodes to edit but i don't and so that's like freaking me out. Like, I'm pretty sure I've been having survivor editing dreams like every night since the finale. And uh, but it's in, in one level, it is really nice that it's over, though. It feels like I feel like that Thanos at the end of like Infinity War, you know, like I've been text. <laughs> that's how I feel like I'm just sitting back. And I, I was somebody was like, oh, what are you going to what are you going to do now for work? I was like, oh, the work is done. It always will be like uh, that's very much how I feel right now. So I'm enjoying that. And then I'm thinking about what kind of project I'm going to do next. But for now, I'm enjoying it. And people seem to mostly like the finale. So that feels that feels good, too. So this was the first season you say that you were actually there when they were filming. Is that so right? I was there for season two and I was like actively around and on production for season two. 
And then for season three and four, I kind of uh, pissed off and did not do much of anything for production. So I was like not involved at all in production. I was only involved in the editing. But then in terms of the timeline, when I started editing season two was the summer before All-Stars was going to happen. And so like as soon as I started editing season two, I was like, okay, wait, but like All-Stars is going to be some serious shit. And I texted production and I was like, okay, like who is running the filming and stuff? for all-stars they were like nobody i was like all right get me in the group chat like i'm in charge of it now and so all-stars was the one i was the most involved with in terms of production wise when i was there mostly again in terms of like the filming and where to put the cameras and stuff i didn't really have a lot of say in pretty much anything else there was a few things i had say in that i could tell you but mostly i was just the camera guy and the editor and uh beyond that i didn't have a whole lot of say in what was going on yeah because i was wondering how was it because you lived with cooper right yeah 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 i lived with cooper and uh there was a lot of there was it was stressful it was it was very difficult to to live with somebody who was in the game and you know i knew everything that was going on and try to keep it under wraps as much as possible and i saw there was a lot of fans accusing me of rigging the game for cooper i saw that in the comments a lot but like if people had any idea how little I wanted Cooper to win, they might, they might like my roommates were rooting against Cooper the entire time. They wanted, we wanted him out first. Like we, th- when we thought he was going to get 14th, because in season one, Cooper got seventh place. And my fantasy football team was named Cooper got seventh for like two years. And we made a lot of fun of Cooper for getting seventh place. And uh, the Jesse Jackson vote for a long time, it seemed like that day we thought cooper was going to get voted out and there was all these memes that were being made like oh what's what's worse what's what's twice as bad as seventh place 14th place you know but uh but then he didn't end up going home so that was tough but yeah no i was not rooting for cooper whatsoever yeah no wonder he brought his high school friend to that one challenge <laughs> yeah that was a good call on his part my me and, our, me and the rest of my roots were actively rooting against cooper so one thing that we noticed was different from all the other seasons is just the like the episode length were a lot so i think before they were all basically around an hour and so now we get some that hour and a half some that are like two hours the finale was three three hours long so why did you make the decision to increase the episode length yeah so originally i was not it kind of grew in the telling it wasn't like i went into it and i was like all right all the episodes are going to be like twice as long like that wasn't the plan from the get-go but I had established in my own head very early on that there were certain things I wasn't willing to compromise on. And one of those was that everybody was going to get like a full storyline, even if they weren't somebody who like did a lot or, you know, ostensibly in a normal season, you wouldn't think that they would be shown that much. Um, And I've like run some calculations and like there's certain people like uh, Emily B. If you cut out all of the like Emily B, like idol storyline, she doesn't even have and all of the like does is she gonna pull this move on bailey a move she never pulls and even if she had pulled it she didn't have the idol anyway so she could never have pulled it basically that that's an example of somebody who like if you cut out all their stuff basically you'd lose about an hour in total from the whole season um and so that's something we're in a normal season maybe you wouldn't go that route but for this i was like it was important to me to show every single person what they were doing and uh 
So I didn't go into it intending for them to be super long. I knew they might be longer than like the previous seasons. It was really what happened was we showed a rough cut of the first episode at the Survivor Michigan reunion last fall, and it was two hours long. And afterwards, a lot of the younger kids were like, yo, Ian, that was great. But uh, yo, buddy, it can't be that long, bro. Like, can you cut off like half an hour? Like, that was really a bit long. I'm not so sure about that. And I was like, oh, crap, maybe this isn't going to work. Like, maybe I'm maybe these are way too long. And I, I've maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew. And so I went back to the first episode. And I was like, all right, let's see if I can cut out like 30 or 40 minutes, get it down to like an hour 20 or something. And uh, I tried that for about a week. And then I gave up and decided that I couldn't do that. And it was just compromising my artistic vision too much, basically. And after that, I just kind of gave up on keeping them a reasonable length. And I decided, you know, if you're in for this, you're in for it. And it's also a YouTube video. You don't have to watch it all at once. You can pause it or something. I've heard of people watching on, on two times speed, which to me is like a sin. It's a crime. I I it, ups, it it pains me to even think about people doing that because it would have ruined the comedic timing and the music choices and everything. But I've heard some people do that. And if that's what it takes, you know, that's fine. In the end, it doesn't seem like that many people did, stopped watching because of the episode length. So I don't really regret it. Uh, if anything, I actually regret that episode two wasn't longer. This is my biggest editing regret is that in episode two, there was a whole Tom monologue that got cut out of the episode for pacing. It's in the bonus scenes where basically Tom's explaining like, yeah, you're probably wondering why did I get cast on all stars? Like I'm Tom, you know, I'm not any good at the game. And you're probably asking yourself if you're watching this, what is Tom doing here? Well, the answer is I'm really good at manipulating production and I tricked production into thinking I would be better this time. And you know what? I'm just as bad and I'm going to go home again, but I don't care because all I wanted was to play survivor Michigan again. That's what I wanted more than anything. And I got it. So, you know, I'm a winner in my heart. And along with my thing of everybody gets an arc, you know, that was really Tom's arc. And so I think that I I short I shorted Tom of it by not including that scene. And if I could go back, I would add that scene in an episode two would be like five minutes longer. So that's my biggest regret, actually, is that one of the episodes isn't a little bit longer. But there were definitely a lot of complaints about the episode length. But that was a complaint that I was expecting. And uh, in the end, I don't I don't really regret it. So I was going to say that I did like how everybody had their certain thing. Like Sarah was the whiteboard warrior. Um, yeah. And then Emily had the, the Pringles idol and Crouch had his like, Oh, I'm never going to, you know, this cockiness and stuff like, Oh, I can't lose twice. It's impossible for me to lose twice. It's <laughs> so I, I did like how everybody had their certain arc in the season too. Yeah, yeah, I think that everyone had a very distinct story. Um, and each person did bring something to the table, and they all were representing different aspects of uh, the story we were telling and how difficult of a game this was for them and how difficult a time it was for everybody like in their lives, basically, as well. And we got to see some unique intros to the season. One of oh, them yeah. being like <laughs> the, the anime one. How the heck did that so, go about? That was very controversial. So there's a there's a group of people who watch the episodes ahead of time and they like provide feedback and stuff. And I'll say now I can say who those people are because the season's over. It it was the two guys who came on at the very end of the um after show for the finale. Their names are Brian and Mason. They're from um era two of Survivor Michigan. And so they were represent the like they don't know what's going on. They were kind of like the audience surrogate people watching it. And then Sam and Cooper also watched it because they did a lot of help, like summarizing videos and stuff. And they also had different like takes on the game. So I thought I could take their advice and like not let 
one of their like biases or power the other. And pretty much the two things that they all four of these people hated the most uh, in the rough cuts was the anime intro and the cliffhanger episode. Both of those things, they said, do not do this. Do not do this. The anime intro, they were just like, no one will understand it. Like, what is if you haven't seen this show, Attack on Titan, that it's based on, you're not going to get it. And I was like, first of all, if you have seen the show, then it's a really cool reference. If you haven't seen it, it's just cool. I was like, there's nothing to get. Like, you don't have to get. That's what my point. And it didn't seem like people were that bothered by it when it came out. So I think I was right about that. But they were those guys are like more Survivor loyalists, you know, like they've been watching like since season one. They've seen 40 seasons of Survivor and they really don't like when you deviate from the thing and they were not a fan of that anime intro but i was like i think it's hilarious you know it's like welcome to the darkest year of our adventures basically like everybody's about to scream at each other for 20 minutes like i thought it really set the tone very well so that's why i came with the anime intro yeah i love that one and i love the the beach intro too oh that one was sick too yeah i I just enjoy um in general the you started using copyrighted music. I was just like, yeah, Ian, don't give a fuck. No, I don't. I mean, all the Survivor, the Survivor theme from the beginning, like, is copyrighted. You know what I mean? And, like, if if CBS ever decided to come for College Survivor and, like, say you can't use any of this music, all of the College Survivors would all just be fucked. So, like, we're so far down the rabbit hole at this point that I don't really care. Like, we're not monetizing this. We're not making any money off of it. So I was just like, I'm going to use whatever music I want, basically, because it's on YouTube and it's, you know, you can you can do that, basically. And I would always test the videos ahead of time to make sure that they didn't uh, violate YouTube's copyright standards. But a lot of songs, they'll just let like uh, the copyright holder will just let you use it as long as you're not monetizing, which we're not. So because if any of the college stars tried to monetize, I think that then CBS would come for us. So. So, yeah, I didn't care. Everybody got like Sarah had the magic school bus theme. You know, Bailey has the West Wing music. Uh, actually, pretty much everybody in the season has their own theme music, which is what's playing in the jury at the end. Um, as each jury member comes up to give their speech, their like theme music comes back from the season. So um, that's what that bit is all about. Didn't even notice that. Honest with you. <laughs> like, I, like, it's nice. I appreciate that touch, but 100% did not pay attention to the music that much yeah i mean that's the kind of thing where i figure most people won't notice it but i i spent like insane amounts of time thinking about the music and like uh there's a whole like all there's like all stars has its its own like theme that gets used a bunch of different times um it's the very first thing in the very first episode and it's also like in the finale a bunch and it's actually in every single episode um and so if anybody out there ever rewatches, pay close attention to that piece of music that appears in the very, very beginning of the first episode, because that's like the main theme of the whole story. And it appears in very critical moments, I would say. Huh. Um, so I have one gripe about, about editing. Why the fuck did Megan keep getting Megan miss- missile hashtags? If that shit wasn't going to go anywhere, dude. Ah. <laughs> oh. Uh, (laughs) well you know like the the thing with megan missiles is they always actually hit megan so that's like the thing (laughs) is the megan missile actually always ends up rebounding and hurting megan i i actually wish 
I could go back and do this in season four. And there was a few Megan missiles in season four. Megan missile, I don't, I didn't coin that. Somebody, one of the fans coined this during a season four episode. It was somebody in the live chat was just like, oh my God, it's a Megan missile. And I was like, oh my God, that's genius. Like, I'm definitely taking that. <laughs> so I don't know who you were, but whoever, somebody out there came up with that idea and I, I ran with it. So if I could go back, I would add the Megan missile hashtag to the season four Megan moments also. But yeah, I'm sorry they never worked out, but they always managed to hurt Megan's game. And that's that's the that's the key part of the Megan missile. Yeah, she was the uh, <laughs> missile launch expert when the in the jury part of it. It gave, <laughs> it gave me so much hope so many times. I know. I, I, I was, was like, too. I was, I was like, is it finally time? <laughs> is it going to land? It's like, it's eventually oh going to land. Uh, she tells Cooper that he's going home and gets herself voted off. You know, it's really quite brutal. <sighs> Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to talk uh, about one of the more controversial things this season, and that is the whole Abby's Revenge tour. Oh, of course. All of that. About Abbeygate. Yes. Yeah, there's so much to say about this. I mean, for one thing, I thought it was hilarious that Abby is a pretty, no offense to Abby if you're listening to this, but Abby definitely will not listen to this. Uh, she's a pretty nothing character in season two, in her original season. And so there was something really funny. Okay. To me. There was something really <laughs> funny to me about Abby, like a very obscure, pretty minor figure, becoming the most infamous figure in College Survivor. <laughs> because like, before also as we were like yeah like nobody remembers abby but like they'll remember her after this so i thought that was funny um i mean obviously at the time it was hor it was horrifying everybody was freaked out nobody knew what to do with it this was probably one of the hardest things to edit on the entire show because uh first of all um i did not really agree with the way production handled it um at the time so basically what happened was the original plan of production was to uh pretend it didn't happen so they told everybody don't talk about it don't talk about it in your videos um we're just going to pretend this didn't happen basically and they're like in the edit we'll just pretend it didn't happen and that was like the plan so there was like very little footage of people talking about it and i had to get megan and jackson to actually film like new stuff explaining what had happened because there was nothing explaining it because like Bailey didn't film anything. Emily B didn't film anything about it. And so there was like no footage of it. And in fact, there was lots of meetings where people would start talking about it and then turn off their camera because they'd be like, Oh, production can't hear this. So like, it was a really bad move on production's part to begin with, because it was like, obviously people are going to talk about it. Like trying to pretend it didn't happen was just never going to work. And I knew even then that I was going to obviously include it on the show, but I was just like, I'm going to be the one in charge. Like, I'm. there's no reason for me to fight with them about this right now because eventually I'm going to have all the power and no one can stop me at that point. <laughs> like, so I was just like, all right, whatever. But uh, so that was annoying. There just wasn't like footage of it. I went back to the production Slack and tried to screenshot and like find stuff that like hopefully made it make sense. But we also changed our minds a lot of times about like what was happening with it originally. Originally, they told Jackson and Megan that they can't even tell it. Like, no one could talk about it, including Jackson and Megan, which Jackson and Megan thought was really unfair. And then everybody was mad at us because so Jackson and Megan obviously were like, this screws over our game. You know, they were pissed off. But then also Bailey and Emily were upset because Bailey was saying, if it's a secret and no one's going to know this happened, Jackson and Megan are just going to target the only people who know about it. So they were saying that it was going to, Bailey was like, her argument was essentially, I didn't do any of this. 
Like, this was not my fault. This was like my boyfriend's fault. This was Abby's fault. But now Jackson and Megan are going to come after me to try and get this information out of the game. So it was a mess all around and everybody was mad at us. And there was really, unfortunately, nothing you could do to make it better. I heard Dale's suggestion about penalizing Bailey. That's obviously be completely unfair. Like, I don't think Bailey would have done anything to deserve that. Jackson's suggestion at the time was he said they should each get four idols each. He said, if you give me and Jackson, he said, if you give me and Megan each five idols or something like that, we'll call it even. Uh, Truthfully, I think the best thing that could have happened would have been just production. Just tell everybody like it just not be a secret anymore. Like just tell everybody here's what happened. Don't treat this any differently. Yada, yada. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was a tough situation. Obviously, it was a very tough situation. And uh, I felt bad for Megan and Jackson. Nobody wants that to happen to their game. Uh, But uh, I will say from a TV standpoint, and there's there's like producer Ian, and then there's like editor Ian. And editor Ian only cares about one thing. What is good TV? So the Abby bomb is not fair. It's really messed up. It shouldn't have happened. But you know what? It's good TV. Uh, I don't know if that potty tra- if that doesn't happen, boring vote. They just vote off Aaron. Like boring split vote, very boring. I actually think it's likely Megan even goes home in the next couple of votes. If that doesn't happen, what I think would have happened is Megan sticks with those guys. Um, and then a couple rounds from now, somebody takes out Megan to weaken their side because they don't want to take the big shot. Because in this game, you as you saw, people were afraid to take the big shot. So I can see Megan or Adam give vote off in a couple rounds. Uh, maybe if that happens, uh, Jackson was pretty much fucked on Sangria if they had lost at any point. So honestly, this actually helped Jackson because people trusted Megan. They didn't trust Jackson. So once they knew that Megan and Jackson were working together, there was more people willing to work with Jackson because they knew they could then get Megan who they trusted. They didn't trust Jackson at all. Um, the one bit, the bigger wrinkle is with the fake idols, like everybody's fake idols. It's really hard to know how that would have played out. I think that Megan would have eventually decided to tell Sam and Adam about them anyways, because a scenario where like eventually one of her allies is playing a fake idol just doesn't seem like a good scenario. So I think eventually she would have told them, but I would have been very curious to see how that played out. But again, from a TV standpoint, there's a point at which I do feel like the fake idol storyline, you just, you don't want too many fake idols. Like CBS, the current season is a good example. Like you don't want everybody in the world having a fake idol because it starts to become really hard to follow. And it was all, we were in danger of getting to that point. And so I love that all the fake idols happened and we had a whole couple episodes of this shenanigans and then it just kind of got wrapped up and we don't have to deal with it anymore because I think it would have become very confusing um, if everybody in the game had a fake idol. Yeah, that's what I was going to say was the fake idols, man. I was like, oh, think of the the potential that could have came out of that. That at one point, Adam thought he had two of them. Sam had one of them. Like, what could have happened? Who knows? Yeah, I, I totally understand, like, wanting to know how that would have panned out. I want to know also, you know, at the at the time when this first happened, we were like, the season's ruined. Like, this is horrible. Like, what are we going to do? And in the end, I don't think it ruined the season, but I think it's a very controversial moment. Um, one thing I will say is that I also kind of think that we brought it upon ourselves. Um, and this is something that could only happen in College Survivor. But Survivor Michigan is was this club. And for multiple years, you know, people are on production, they're involved in the club. And then when it comes to All-Stars, now we're able, now production is telling, thir- like, 27 people applied for All-Stars and, like, 21 were, 22 were cast because Levana dropped out. So we only cut, like, four people, okay? And to me, that's just too small a number to cut, and we should have just cast everybody. And 
part of the reason is because what right do we have at that point to say to like Abby or whoever, you know, uh, you're not good enough to be a part of the club anymore. Like it's like production was voting them out, out of the club before the game even began. And that's a really messed up part of college driver to begin with is that these all-star seasons, you're pretty much voting people out of the club, like out of doing the thing that in all the other clubs on campus, like robotics or, you know, whatever else I was on the mock trial team. You can't like get kicked out of the club halfway through the club unless you like really fuck up. But in survivor, that's like the entire point of the club. And it's really damaging in a social way. And yeah, what incentive did these people not have to do something like this? All these people have gigantic egos and are petty. Everyone in Survivor Michigan is insanely, insanely petty, okay? And so like the the question for me isn't like, why did Abby do this? It's I'm surprised someone else didn't do this also. Like I'm shocked this didn't happen more often. Or even like once somebody was voted off, there's nothing stopping them from doing something like that. If anything, everybody was really a good sport about it the whole time, you know? Like Jackson and Megan could have like leaked the entire boot order and been like, fuck this season. Like, I'm going to spoil the whole thing online. And they didn't do that. And a lot of people really played ball. And so I appreciate that. But yeah, I think if we had just cast everyone, we would have avoided this. That's what the real solution is, in my opinion. I think it was wrong for us to cut four people um, when it's just not cutting that many. If it was like 50 people applied, then I, yeah, we can't have 50 people. But we could have made it work. We We really could have made it work. And I think that there was a power trip to a degree of like, a need to cut people because it's all stars and stuff. But why? It was very arbitrary. The last couple people, they were all kind of similar. There's really no reason why Abby couldn't have been on over a couple other people, I think. Um, and, you know, the other people got cut Sarah Minnis, Richard, and uh, Lavana, or sorry, Camila. Obviously, like it would have been a better season with some of those people on. So that's kind of my hot take on it is if we just cast everybody, this wouldn't have happened. Listen, though, if I was Abby and I saw Tom got picked over me, I'd have been pissed too. Right. No, that that's exactly what <laughs> I love Tom, but that's exactly what Abby thought. She was like, this is bullshit. Why is Tom on? Why is some other people on? Uh, I don't I, like I don't give a fuck. Uh, I'm going to fuck this up. And her whole take was like, basically, if you don't think I'm good enough TV for the show, I'll make myself good enough TV that you have to put me on the show. And there was a part of me that sort of respected that, honestly. And I think that's why I like, like gave her the little, little, cause it's like, I wish this hadn't happened, but given that it did happen, we have to make the most entertaining version of it possible, you know? And so I understand like if I was Jackson and Megan, like I would not appreciate that Abby gets this little like kind of showy sort of moment in that episode, but that's what happened. Like it is what it is. You know, I was going to make the best version of the TV as I could given everything that happened. And I did like that we, you know, some of the people that we didn't get to see on All Stars, we get get to at least see some cameos. Like I loved that we got to see Shannon doing the idol recaps, and then we did get to see Cam- Camilla on and then the Loved Ones challenge, and uh, we got to see cameos of like Dale and Mallory and Tarowski and all. Oh that, yeah. So. Totally, totally. I mean, a big part of All Stars for me was like this wrapping up the five seasons and treating it like, as I said a bunch of times, like the Avengers endgame of Survivor Michigan and trying to include as many people as possible, um, especially the fan favorite type people who couldn't come back, you know, Shannon, Dale, Tarowski, Mallory, uh, Maggie, like Liz, we tried to get those people in where I could. Uh, And I think almost everybody from seasons one through five is referenced at least once during the season or flashback to or something. And then obviously everybody was shown in like the end credits. So 
that was a big part of it for me was that it was again it was like this conclusion of all of survivor michigan the first era and so it was important to me that we get to like see all those other people so um really minor kind of question but was crouch the person who planted emily b's fake idol yes yes there was a whole like flashback scene to it but like by the time it finally comes out that crouch has the real idol it just didn't work for the pacing to include that and I kind of thought that you can just kind of intuit that Crouch planted it. And that's kind of why he's so paranoid about his being fake is because he's like has fake idols on the mind because he planted a fake idol himself. Um, yeah. Okay. That was you. good because it was really confusing. It was like, who has this idol? It was like, he was like, who has it? Who has I it? Mean, I've, like, I've flip-flopped so many times. Too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I wanted. I mean, it made Emily's and Crouch's storyline both much better to not yeah. know. Yeah, because I think, like, you were talking about how Emily B stuff could have been cut out, but then I feel like that cuts so much tension about who the fuck actually has this idol. Totally, totally. I mean, her whole storyline works because it's a possibility that she does have it. So if, in the original version of the season, I got about, like, halfway through the season editing it this way, um, you knew the whole time that it was just played for jokes. It was like, so Emily has a fake idol, but she thinks it's real, and Crouch has the real idol, but he thinks it's fake. And it was just like played for jokes, basically. And after a couple episodes, that just wasn't funny anymore. And it didn't really work. And there was not a lot of tension to it. And I always have, I, one thing I always try to do is put the audience in the player's mindset. And so I was like, the player's mindset here is that Crouch thinks his idol's fake and Emily thinks it's real. So that should be the mindset that we're in. And we should not know who actually has it. Um, and it just makes it a much more compelling, a much more interesting story. Uh, and it also makes, episode six better because it allowed us to do the fake out with kevin having the idol and truly if you think kevin has an idol then there then kevin and aj's plan operation forced hibernation makes sense in a world where they don't have an idol it does not make any sense and i found it very hard to follow it like it was easier to explain it to the audience like here's the plan they're gonna play two idols and they're gonna save jackson and lucy um, because their plan is a lot more convoluted and sort of bizarre if you if they don't have an idol. Listen, I don't I don't understand. I had a hard time following some of the shit that was put into the show, so I don't know how you edited it in such a way that, that would even made remotely any sense. Yeah, I mean, there was some episodes that were a struggle, a struggle to. Episode six was pretty hard, and the Megan boot was. The Megan boot was the hardest episode to edit of the entire series for me because uh, it was so confusing who was doing what. And actually, to this day, I still don't really fully understand what was going on between. I don't understand why Bailey and Crouch even needed to go to Megan and tell her like why they told Megan that the secondary votes were going to be on her. I. I don't understand. And there's no footage supporting why this happened. If there was footage of this, the infamous Bailey and Megan meeting, I would have loved that footage because that's clearly where this all went down. And I just don't know what happened or, or why really. But so it was, a, that was a real puzzle to put together. And there was actually a lot of even more confusing stuff cut out of that episode. There was a whole, for a long time, it was going to be AJ that week. And like, there was all kinds of stuff with that that I had to cut out because it just there just wasn't time for it. And uh, 
So it was just very, it was a very confusing week and it was all happening in the span of like a day. The plan changed like 25 times. And it was just like, like why Crouch is okay with Cooper going home has also never been totally clear to me. Like I, there's a lot of aspects to that vote that have always confused me. Why they didn't tell Megan where the votes were going. Like I, what, I just don't know what they were doing. It doesn't really make sense. Okay. I'm just, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. No, I gave, I gave myself headaches editing that episode. Um, that was the hardest episode to edit for me the entire show. Yeah, and speaking of the cliffhanger, that was one of the another one of the controversial episodes. There, it's just because it was a cliffhanger. Yeah, that was, that's the other one. Into the the big decision of like, oh, we're going to leave this to a cliffhanger. Everybody told me not to do it. Everyone said, <laughs> do not do this. They thought I was a joking when I turned in the rough cut. They thought it was a joke. They were like, oh, haha, that's funny, but you're not actually doing that, right? I was like, no, 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 we're going to do it. I always wanted to do a cliffhanger because I loved when I was a kid watching a TV show and you're a kid and you don't know like how shows work. So like I watched like an episode of Teen Titans or like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something and I don't know it's a two-parter. And so like I'm getting to the end and then it's like, oh, now like what's going to happen to him, you know, to be continued like and that would I that drove me crazy as a kid. But it, I love that. And I think that nowadays, like we have so few true cliffhangers in shows. Because on season finales for like Game of Thrones or something, you know, there's going to be some kind of like cliffhanger type thing. And like almost never are you like the, the best cliffhanger is a shock cliffhanger, like a really shocking cliffhanger. Uh, another really good one is, act, uh, is actually in like the Percy Jackson books. There's a really good cliffhanger in those books as well. But like in general, I'm like, there's not enough cliffhangers in today's thing. And I love the cliffhangers. And so I always wanted to do one. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do one in All-Stars. I just have to find the right place for it. And this vote with like all these different plans, it's so confusing. I was like, maybe it would work really well to give people a week to kind of ruminate on it and be able to, to try and puzzle out what's going on and actually let them think about it because it was so there was so much happening. So that was one reason I wanted to I'd want to do it right there. The other reason is that I found that the next episode worked much better if both tribals were in the episode because uh we see this like tribal everyone's pissed off each other and there's all this fallout from it and that really leads into a lot of what's going on in the episode between lucy and cooper especially like the title of that episode is i'm so sorry i didn't want to do it i'm so sorry which lucy says when she plays the idol and then cooper says it back to her when he plays the phantom vote and votes her off and so i always wanted th those lines to be in the same episode bookending it because thematically i was like this is a like lucy and cooper story here um, there's also something poetic about Lucy, like she really gets a reprieve on life. She really should have gone home there, but she got an idol from a different tribe that saves her for really only one more round. And so like she's kind of saved in a fluky way and then goes home in a fluky way as well. And something about that also felt very like it, it felt very right. Um, so like I know people were not happy with the cliffhanger because it's not done. It's not traditionally done in Survivor. And if I had done it multiple times, I think it would have gotten old. Because you don't do the same gag twice, you do a different gag. So I was only ever going to do one cliffhanger. I want to hear that. You don't do the same gag twice. Do fucking two weeks off in a row, or how many ever weeks it was. <laughs> like five times, dude. Ah, I hated that so much. I mean, so I can explain. Bullshit. I can explain that also, but but yeah, I knew the cliffhanger would be controversial, and uh, people were not totally happy about it. But again, I stand by it, and and for mo the thing also is. 
the vast majority of viewers are going to end up binge watching this. Like, like when this is, you know, like at today, the majority of people who've watched Maryland All-Stars didn't watch it when it came out live, you know? And so five, six, this is going to be up for like ever. So like five, six years from now, you'll just, even now you can just click to the next episode and it's not really as big of a deal. But for the live viewers, the true diehards, I wanted to give them that shock. They give them that, no, 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 no. What's going to happen? <laughs> oh, I was cliffhanging, all right. I was hanging. We need that. I was hanging. <laughs> we need that. We need that. It's good. It's good storytelling. It's good drama. You got to you, you gotta surprise people. As, as soon as you can no longer surprise the audience, that's when it's time to step off the stage. And so with All Stars, I was like, I'm going to throw every last idea that I have into this. Um, and then I'll be done, you know? And a lot of people are like, well, wouldn't you want to edit like season six, seven, whatever, whatever. I'm like, first of all, absolutely not. I don't, I don't have the time and I need to be done with this. But second of all, I've used up every idea I have. Like I, I have no more. I'm done. So what was your favorite? Like, um, because you told us that there's a bunch of stories that you were drawing on from previous seasons that if we go back and watch it, you would be able to kind of see how those wound up in uh, all stars what was your favorite kind of through line story that you got Man, to tell that's so hard i think ugh, there's so many good ones my favorite probably does have to be cooper and leia ultimately like if you watch season one and you watch season five and you see cooper as the host all these seasons cooper is the main character of survivor michigan at the end of the day across five seasons you know he's the only one who bippity bops his way through the whole thing and Seeing the way their storyline played out, I always said that, like, to the Michigan people before the season, I always said that at its core, All-Stars is a story of these two competing philosophies between Cooper and Leia, and which one is right. And the answer is neither. Something in the middle is right. And the best move Sam made in the entire game was that by the end of the game, both Cooper and Leia believe that Sam is on their side of the philosophy battle. And that's, like, what allows him to really win the game. Because Leia believes that Sam, because Sam will go to the end with Leia no matter what, but he also wants to win. And that distinction, there's a slight distinction between him and Leia drawn there. So it's probably that, but there's a lot of other really good ones. I loved Will and Kevin. I mean, Will and Kevin, the parallels between Will and between Ben and Will and Ben and Will's arc together in season three as these like arch nemesis and they both have the same arc in their returning season they both go home in episode four they both try to play a more loyal game they both get stabbed in the back by somebody who they're trying to trust and so like ben and will they can't escape their demons they can't escape what's happened to them in the past um there's also kevin and bailey obviously i mean kevin and bailey were so close to season two and to watch them have the, the whole social losers of survivors social winners of survivor thing that was a really emotional scene for me bailey talking about how hard it is for her to vote off kevin because at the end of the day kevin turns on will really to work with bailey it's not actually for any kind of skullduggery or he of course he likes the idea of flipping on will but the real reason he does it the real reason he does it is just because he wants to work with bailey and he just feels he feels bad about how he fucked her over in the previous season and the irony is that in all-stars bailey couldn't have given less of a shit about kevin and she was willing to throw him to the wolves as the first <laughs> chance she got and so like yeah what the fuck is skullduggerous is that what you said skullduggery so what the fuck <laughs> i don't i'm not a dictionary 
<laughs> it's like uh it's like uh it's like treachery you know like a pirate would would engage in skullduggery you know skullduggery. <laughs> oh shit that that's a ten dollar word I wasn't expecting uh, that. yeah that's a good one use that one in scrabble but so kevin and bailey also had a great a great great arc um i mean crouch i think has a very good story coming from rock draw all the way back but uh but yeah, th- those are the big ones I was thinking about was Kevin. Also, I mean, Megan and Jackson, obviously following on season four. When you if you rewatch season four scenes, knowing Megan and Jackson end up dating, there's a lot of like subtext to the stuff they're saying to each other in season four. Um, like I've watched whole videos of season four that is pretty much just Megan and Jackson flirting like for an hour. Like that's pretty much what it is. Um, and they had a lot of meetings like that. So there was a lot of people who I think their arc is. I mean, M- Emily B is another example. In season three, her whole thing was she finds this fake idol Lorax, and then in All Stars, once again, she's just a fake idol collector. <laughs> she just always has the fake idols. So, I'd say Cooper and Leia, Kevin and Will, and Kevin and Bailey are my were my favorite like multi season arcs. So you mentioned this, the war of the philosophies between Cooper the you know, cutthroat strategist and you have Leia who's about uh, I have my people and I'm going to stick with them I'm going to stay loyal to the, these people where do you stand uh, I mean it depends on the season and it depends on the uh, scenario I think in this season the correct answer was something in the middle because that's how you won I think that I think the biggest thing in Survivor is being flexible and both Cooper and Leia to a degree they like dig their heels in too deep and they both lose because they become so obsessed with their, it's not just about winning. It's about winning their way. They become, both of them become obsessed with that. And they, it's not, it's, it's not just about winning anymore. It's about winning the way they want to win. And it's about beating the other one. And to a degree, I think they both actually have similar flaws in the end that they both became more so obsessed with beating each other and proving to the other one that they were wrong um, because this was like going on outside the game. Like Cooper and Leia would just be at my house bickering about this philosophy thing, like all the time. I mean, they really had a seismic difference of opinion. And I think that both of them would stand by their opinion, like to this day, basically. But um, so, yeah, I, I think my opinion is in all stars. The correct answer was something in the middle. And in general, in Survivor, I think flexibility is the answer. You shouldn't be too rigid to any one philosophy because uh, like a lot of people have said, Leia's strategy is better to get to the end, definitely. I mean, she has a point that later in the game, Cooper has no allies. No one trusts him because no one believes that he will stick with them because he won't. He will flip on anybody. There's nobody who he won't flip on, right? And that hurts him because no one wants to work with him. But the flip side is that if you're too loyal like Leia, you get to the end and people will say, well, you didn't really play the game. So some kind of balance is definitely necessary, but I, I just loved like how competing those ideals were for two of the biggest players in Survivor Michigan and the two closest friends to come to such odds over this. I just thought it was like Shakespearean and it was very interesting to watch go down. What's your take on like the whole friend group? Thing? Uh, uh, Leia's list and all that. Well, that, and it also seemed like um, Dale pointed this out like season four contestants really didn't stand a chance because of their how new they were to join the club and all that stuff, right? Uh, and that if you weren't in that really close friend group, you're just kind of fucked. I mean, 
to be totally honest, I think that that's just, I don't know. I think it's just not true, honestly. Like, I understand why Dale thinks that. And, you know, he's buddies with, like, season four people, so he's going to feel that way. But if you really look at it, uh, I mean, AJ and Megan both went extremely far, farther than the season three people. Season three did the worst in this season of any of the seasons. And uh, um, there's totally a scenario where AJ wins the game if he just doesn't vote himself out of the game. You know, like there's very much a scenario where he from that final seven has a path to the end to win. So I don't really agree with that. I think that it's more that um, I think the friend the, the friend dynamic was a dynamic, right? The finale is called the theme of friendships. You know, at no point am I going to claim that friendship had no bearing in the season. It was the biggest factor by far. But the thing that I think is lost a little bit is that it was larger than just the friend group of the seven, right? Like the seven was not the seven tightest people pregame, you know, Leia wasn't friends with Emily B before the season. None of them were friends with Adam before the season. Uh, and like, um, Bailey wasn't really as close with Leia before the season as like you would think from watching it, but like what it, what that group really was, was people connected to Leia specifically. And I think Leia, if Leia just gets voted out at any point, it's a very different season. Like, she's the one pushing this friendship narrative more than anybody, and no one else really cares about it. And if Leia had gotten voted off at any point, I think it's a very different kind of season. Like, she's really the one driving all of that. But larger than that, you could take, a, like, a lot of different groups of seven in this game, and they would have operated in a similar way, right? Like, going into the game, Aaron Sikri was probably like top three most connected people like the biggest threats going in was like cooper sam and aaron and uh you know it just didn't work out for her but like her and dylan dylan was insanely well connected too uh will was super well connected jesse lucy almost every person in the game was friends with every was with friends with a large number of people in it you know megan beforehand is really close with sam and she's friends with adam etc um the only people who had no connections at all was really Jackson. Jackson had the least friends going in by far. Uh, so he was the one who was the most fucked because he had no social connections. Um, and he didn't. And so he was the one who was, I think the most fucked by this. Cause he was playing a different kind of game. He was thinking that everybody was just going to play pure strategically. And they actually started to, you know, like the week he goes out, there's two different plans to save him. So it's not like he had no chance at all. And I totally think there's a scenario where if Jackson just, so many different things go slightly differently. You know, if Sam doesn't get paranoid, if Megan doesn't tell Adam that she's going to, that she's basically going to flip, I think Sam just goes home week three. Okay. Um, because they don't know that that's happening. If Jackson just votes for Cooper, Cooper goes home and then the merge is completely different because there's no way Leia and Sam are getting on the same page after Sam got Cooper out. Leia would just be gunning for Sam probably. And that whole group of Sarah, Jackson, Nick, Crouch, Kevin, Megan, they, that group probably takes power, probably is what happens. Uh, all Nick has to do is play his idol when he knew he was in trouble to send Sam home. So that's three moments right there that would have changed the whole course of the game. So it's hard for me to really like get behind the idea that it was like inevitable, you know? And every Survivor season, it seems inevitable because that's what happened. But there's very easily a way that something else could have happened. And everybody was friends with everybody. So there's totally like a merge scenario you can imagine of like, Dylan, Aaron, Cooper, Bailey, Nick, and they control the whole game at the merge. And they're called the friends also because they were also friends, you know, and the P I think a large part of it is the people on the bottom are just really good players in this season. So they're coming up with something really good to stick at the majority. 
in most seasons, like in season four, El Norte, the bottom doesn't really play that well. And they don't really have a good, they're just saying, oh, they're just sticking together. But like Tokidoki should be doing that, you know? And honestly, in this season, it's the same. Like the merge majority should usually stick together for a couple of votes. Um, and it wasn't any different than any other Survivor Michigan season. The merged majority came together. They stuck together for two votes. Then it blew up. That's pretty much what happens in every single season of Survivor Michigan. Um, because of the Leia's list well, they, aspect and stuff, it's... But then they, like, came back together. I mean, not really. Like, like almost they, immediately. Not really. Like, like, they're all voting against each other the whole rest of the way. Like, they're trying to vote off Cooper. The only reason Cooper doesn't go home there is because Crouch gives him immunity. To me, that, that comes down to Megan. Megan didn't do a good enough job of getting Crouch on her side. Like, if they were on the bottom for weeks and weeks, there's no reason Crouch should be giving Cooper immunity there over Megan. It just doesn't really make sense. And that just shows that they didn't have as deep a connection. And, like, I don't know. At the end of the day, I do think that friendship had a giant aspect, but I don't think that it was that it, the season four people were doomed. Megan and Adam went really, really far, and... Megan, I don't know if there's a path for her to win the game because she was perceived as a complete goat. Um, but Adam 100% could have won the game. If he if he just votes Leia there, he has a very good chance to... He's not going to be targeted the next week. And I think if he got to the end, he would have had a decent chance to win because he would have been seen as an outsider. So I, I don't think the season four pulled no chance. I think Jackson had a very, very difficult path. That I will 100% stand by. He had nobody going into it. And he got to the spot he needed to get to where there were then people willing to work with him for strategic reasons. And then he just made the wrong play and went home. But but I also understand people's viewpoint on it. You know, from Dale's point of view, Shannon didn't become the host. Camila didn't get cast. And then, you know, Jackson and Megan's thing gets leaked. So, like, I totally understand why the season four people felt like they were slighted because it to a degree, they it is true. You know, um, I just don't think it's as significant as they probably feel like it is but how was how yeah. big was the fallout from that blind side from the whole big emily b blind side because that was one of the coolest edits to me was like how it was like the days go by and there's like no one's like so everybody's so like exhausted from that blind side and the aftermath of it that you're just like I don't even want to talk to game i don't even want to film any confessionals or anything like i'm just done with the game for a while Bro, we almost had to shut down the game. The really? game almost ended right then. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, no one would speak to each other. And they were all so mad at each other. And they were saying, Bailey and some other people were saying, like, this is the end of our friendship. Like, it's done. And we were thinking, like, oh, my God, this is only going to get worse. Like, this is going to, at a certain point, is it really worth tearing apart these people's, like, real-life friendships? And, like, Cooper was, like, crying for hours and hours at my house that night, you know? Like... It was a mess. And we were like, can we even go on doing this? Um, and like we decided, yeah, and people calmed down a bit. But for a couple of days there, we were like, I don't know how we how we move on from this. Um, it was that was a crazy night. That was the craziest night of Survivor. Just like the emotions, like the intensity of it. People kept asking me to turn off the camera. And I kept saying no. I kept saying <laughs> I was pissed off because I wasn't there for the for the uh jackson and jesse uh tribal i couldn't go to that tribal and i had heard there was all this crying and stuff but there wasn't very good footage of it and people were like oh yeah we turned off the cameras because like people were crying and i was like fuck that are we making a reality tv show or not <laughs> so the next time there was always people crying i was like 
I'm not turning the, I will, I'm filming this entire fucking thing. Every second of Bailey screaming at them, every minute of Leia yelling at Sam, I'm getting it all on tape. <laughs> and people weren't happy with me, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm surprised that it was actually going to, like, shut the whole game down. I think that that's the aspect of, like, the friend group that, that bothered me the most. It was, like, anybody done anything to potentially make a good game move for themselves. It was, oh, I'm so pissed off at you that I don't even want to be friends with you outside of this game that we signed up for knowing that we're going to vote each other out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hypocritical, right? A little bit. Um, The thing I think that, like, yeah, it's hard to understand unless you've done these college survivors is that it doesn't feel like a game anymore. Like, when you do it for that long, you know, this is like day 70 or something. It just isn't a game anymore. And it, it, it's it, that sounds stupid to say. It's it's hard to it's a very hard thing to understand. But like having watched all these people go through it season after season, it's just not a game. And similar stuff in season three, like when all the Ben Bomb stuff comes out, you know, like it it's just not a game. It's real. And it feels like a real betrayal, even though it really isn't, you know, like in that moment, those people are feeling like. I how could Cooper do this to us? But 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 um I, I can't say that I personally would react that way, but like it is just it's not really a game and it's more than a game, and it's hard to really understand that unless it's like a part of it is just the psychological fuckery of Survivor and why it's like uh one of my bigger takeaways from All Stars was there's an aspect of me that feels like this is a game that shouldn't have been played. Like I actually think that Survivor is, I think I was Leia pilled a bit by the end. Like just see the number of people I saw cry and people cry if they got every single person cried if they got voted out pretty much. And like the amount of just like friendships that got ruined over this, um, there was multiple friendships that were damaged severely by this game to this day that have not been repaired. And like, it's like, was this worth it for a reality TV show? Like, I don't know. And I think that, um, what people, what Survivor fans probably don't realize as much is that Survivor at its core is not designed as a game. It's designed as a reality TV show. And what I mean by that is it's designed to fuck with people for good TV. Like the the, the way they design everything of the real show is not like out of fairness or anything like that. It's what are, what's going to fuck with these people the most and what's going to make for what they think is good TV. That's why you see nowadays a million advantages, yada, yada. It's just about like causing good chaos and like drama and fucking with people. And which I understand that's totally fine from reality TV show, but this is why your parents tell you don't go on. Like you wouldn't want to be on reality TV because it is just messes people up and survivor messes people up and survivor Michigan messed people up. And so I'm glad it exists because I loved editing it and all this kind of stuff. But there is an aspect of me that wonders like, was this, is this even an ethical thing that we did? Like, it was it, like it was so messed up and these people's relationships were so messed up from it and like Bro. i mean <clears throat> you should have had you should have had some therapist on hand for some debriefing <laughs> dude like you could you, you could have an entire industry of therapists they need teams of people working around the clock on everybody from survivor michigan i mean you guys don't even know the stuff that went on like behind the scenes like uh, the the behind the scenes of this show would probably be as good as the show itself. Like, oh, so so this is your tell all, right? You gonna share some of that? 
Uh, <laughs> well, some of it's not mine to share, but suffice to say that there is just as much drama behind the scenes as there is in front of the scenes. You get some of it in season four. There's a season four reunion podcast where you can listen to the crew, like talk about like a lot of the drama that went down and all stars was no different. And, uh, part of another problem, part of an issue I had with the structure of the club was that every other club I was in, the point of the club is to build each other up, you know, and to like support each other. And support a survivor is to tear each other down, ultimately, you know, and it's and you're casting people for good TV. And that doesn't necessarily make the best like production members, but then everybody from the show joins production. So like, there's a reason why CBS doesn't have all their production team based up of people who were former contestants. But we're not casting people to be good producers, we're casting them to be good TV. And so then you end up with a lot of, you know, highly volatile personalities on the production team. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it was the best way to build a club, honestly, but uh, it made for good TV. And I guess well, that's where sounds I stand. Like y'all, should have a, y'all should have a disclaimer before joining. You should. <laughs> no, you should. And Survivor gives people PTSD, too. And, like, the, the a lot of the cast watching it back also, like, you know, they they know what happened, but they don't know all the confessionals. So like a good example is like Emily B and Kevin, they're watching it back and it's like, I did not know all this horribly mean stuff Kevin said about me, right? Or like there was a scene where Sam is really making fun of Bailey because he has her convinced that these messages are fake. And he's like, oh, Bailey, they think you're stupid. Like they think that, you know, you're, they, they must think you're stupid, blah, blah, blah. And Bailey was like, what the fuck, Sam? Like, I didn't know you said all this mean stuff about me. Like, and that kind of shit, like, you know, spirals out years later and so it's there's a lot of very messy aspects of having a reality tv show with a bunch of your friends in it yeah i can see that (laughs) because um it's it's one thing to be like out on an island for like 30 days or whatever but when it's you're playing it 24 7 for like 100 days and it's because it's one thing because you're out when you're playing like survivor you're on an island you're right you're clearly in a different place where you're playing a game whereas in survivor michigan you're you're at home playing the game you're like it kind of it's like those kind of blend together i could see right exactly exactly like you're still going to class you're still partying you're still doing all the regular college things and then you're also playing survivor and it slowly consumes every last aspect of your life um and so it's just crazy. Um, and it really does mess with people's mental state. And like by the end, they're all just worn so thin. What was the general age of the people in, in this season? I mean, it was a pretty wide variety. I think most people were of drinking age. So the average had to have been at least 21. But so. uh, <laughs> yeah, most uh. people were 21. But there was a decent number of people younger than that too. And older than that, like Sam was like 23. I think Jackson and Megan were like 24. Uh, okay. So it was pretty wide range. So, Will is older too. Will might've, I don't know how old Will was, but he was the oldest probably. So between like all the alcohol and all of their brains not being fully developed while all this shit was going on it sounds like a recipe for a disaster right i mean that's why college survivor is so compelling but being there for it sometimes i wondered was this really the right thing should we have even done this (laughs) hold on hold on i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to uh whenever i get into my master's program and i have to do research 
I'm, I'm not coming to a case study on Dude, college you survivor. You, you could do some crazy studies on college survivor, I think. It's a really unique and weird dynamic. I do gotta say those those parties look pretty cool though. I look like everybody was having fun. All the time. Uh, we party hard. Oh, we had some great parties. Survivor. The Halloween party, the Survivor all Michigan the football parties and stuff. Like we play hard, we party hard. You know. Hell yeah. <laughs> so you got to see all the confessionals and uh, so a lot of the scenes that a lot of people didn't get to see. Who played the most underrated game? I think Dylan. I think D- Dylan was playing really, really well. Uh, and I know he got taken out really early on, but he was in a really, really good spot. And he was not even supposed to go home there. It was supposed to be Aaron, and he only went home because of a kind of a fluke, crazy scenario. But he had connections. He was forming connections across tribe. He was forming a secret alliance with Bailey, like that was completely like nobody knew about really. He was talking to Cooper, he was talking to Crouch, and he had Adam like good enough with him to not want to vote him off uh he had all those guys good enough with him to not want to vote him off and i think that if he had made swap i think he would have been completely safe on i just don't see him going home anytime soon if he had made swap so i'd say dylan because even though he went home early i don't think he really made any big mistakes and i think he uh had it in him to go really really far again i think dylan is just somehow despite winning he's still just an underrated player and his social game is just crazy like you just don't want to vote him off. And he is, he's just strategic enough. People don't expect him to be pulling these moves, but he's the kind of guy where like, he's just so friendly and go with the flow. And then next thing you know, suddenly he like he like, you know, pulls some crazy move, which is kind of what happened in season three. I could have kind of seen that happening again at all-stars. I think Dylan would have gone really far. I don't know if he could ever win. Cause again, he's one of those people where like late in the game, similar to Dale, if Dale had played, I think Dale would have done pretty well actually, just cause Dale's so good at survivor. Um, and he was, a lot of people would have wanted to work with Dale, but he's somebody who like, you're never taking him to the end just cause he already won. And so I just don't know how Dylan gets to the end, but I think he could have gone pretty far. So I would say Dylan. Okay. I appreciate it, Dylan. Right. That was the quibs dude, right? Yeah. Give me that idol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me that idol. <laughs> I want that idol. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. The great thing about Dylan is he's in every episode, even though he got voted off third. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. So if you were a jury member, who would you have voted for in that final three? Man, that's tough. That's tough. Because I think Leia has a really strong case, honestly. As much as like as much as people might not like Leia's list, and I also hated Leia's list at the time. I've come more around on it through editing, but when it was going on, I also thought Leia's list was like anti-survivor and really dumb. But she really did control the entire game and she forced everybody to play her way right like everything you guys are talking about with friendship is because of leia it's because singularly it's because of leia and uh time after time like crouch says in the the final tribal the reason she didn't go home was just because people couldn't bring themselves to write her name down even when it was the best move for them multiple times it was the best move for them so i think she played a really really good game and uh i could see myself voting for but sam also played pretty well and i do think that the jury management aspect for Leia, like, I don't know. I, can you, is it really, you can't just piss off half the people, you know? I just don't know if you can do that and expect to win. And, uh, you know, I think Sam played a really, really good game too. Like he, as I said, he struck the balance so well. 
between Sam's best thing is he can be to different people what they want him to be. You know, to Cooper, he's a game bot strategist, you know, just as conniving as Cooper. Cooper thinks Sam is just like him. To Leia, he's just as loyal. Leia thinks Sam is just like him. He, he, I was able to get AJ back on his side, you know, week one, like just because he knows how to like work people. Similar to Dale, like he just has a certain kind of social capital to him that just he can play what he needs to when he needs to with different people. So I think he was the right winner. And I think I, I probably would have voted for him, but I think Leia has a really strong case. I'm not voting for Bree. I just, I just can't vote for somebody who asked to be voted off at final four. It's just the, the facts. Like I love Bree. Like I think she played a decent game, but she just didn't make the move she needed to make. So I don't think I could have voted for her. So I'm curious um, about your thoughts on, them taking out Crouch over Cooper. Do you think that, well, ultimately what this is all leading to is me asking, do you think Crouch v. Sam, who wins? So in terms of like show canon, everything you see on the screen would lead you to believe that Cooper like had no chance of final tribal. Like that's what the jury is saying. And that's what the jury said to Cooper in real life. Like when he got voted off, the jury like all shadowed him and was like, you would have lost anyways, blah, blah, blah. So if you ask most people in the game, they would tell you that voting off Crouch was the right move because Crouch was a giant jury threat and Cooper was not, and that Cooper was going to lose at the end no matter what. But I just don't know if I believe that. Like, I just don't know if I really believe that Cooper had no chance. Like, I think Cooper at the end is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And all these people can say they didn't want to vote for him and they didn't want him to win and they hated how he played the game. But if he's there... He's crying. He's giving the most emotional pitch of all time. He's going to any, he will go to any lengths. He'll tell any lie. There's nothing he wouldn't do. And I just think he, I think there are lots of people who would consider voting for him. Sarah, Kevin, Nick, Megan, Megan definitely votes for Cooper over Sam and Leia. So So do you think that what Cooper did at the tribal where he almost got voted out is what he would have done at final tribal? Yeah, oh, 100%. He would have done the exact same thing. And I think he would have gotten some votes from it. And if he goes to the end with Sam and Leia, I think he would argue, like, he would argue, he would try to be the, like, epitome of the anti-friends thing, right? He would say they didn't even play Survivor. They were just playing friendship. You know, he would really lean into that. And I think that's a compelling case. Crouch, though, also was seen as a giant jury. Crouch, like, it's like the opposite. Everybody in the jury would tell you that Crouch was going to win at the end, no matter what, against anybody at that point, because he was the underdog, because everybody loves Crouch, because he got rocked out, all these reasons. Um, but I don't know. I think that I could see Crouch bungling a final tribal, basically. basically like, like Crouch is like the king of talk for not a lot of backup. And I could kind of see him like finding some way to like, to botch final tribal council and like say something stupid. But I think the truth is it doesn't make a difference really if they vote off Cooper or Crouch because like they wanted both of them out and both Cooper and Crouch were pretty dangerous at the end for different reasons is the truth. Uh, it, I think yeah. that voting off Crouch actually was maybe the wrong move because I actually think Crouch is much more likely to drop than Cooper in general because again, Crouch doesn't back it up. I think Crouch just chokes basically in the in the final immunity and just drops. I think he just chokes. So that's why I think they should have voted off Cooper, because I think Crouch is more likely to choke at final immunity. Damn, Crouch. <laughs> I love you, Crouch, okay. but you but you know you would you know you would choke at final immunity. You know you would. 
So uh, okay. I want to talk about that final immunity because you ditched Brady. Uh, that was was there not a schedule? There was this whole lift your leg up controversy and so that, like that that bullshit. That one. That Let's one. Call it what it is. That one. <laughs> that one. I totally agree is bullshit. I completely agree. That one is complete bullshit. That was never in the plan. There was no, the plan was only to make them stand there forever. We never planned any one leg tiebreaker or anything. Brady decided that on his own because he was the only one left and he was cold and he wanted it to be over. Um, and uh, God damn it, Brady. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> but in Brady's defense, okay, I had problem. What had happened was everybody in production, this was during exams, okay? Like final exams were going on during this. So pretty much everybody else in production was like, I have an exam, like whatever, whatever. And me and Brady were like, we have nothing. I was like, Brady, it's going to be you and me, man. Like we're going to bonding moment. We'll stay as long as it takes. Like me and you to the end of the line. And then I abandoned him. I abandoned him. I told him, I was like, I was freezing. It was freezing. We were out there all, it was so cold. I, there's a clip. I was trying to sleep on the ground. It was so, so cold. And it seemed like it was going to go forever and ever. And I, my house was not that far from where the statue was. And I told Brady, hey, I'm just going to get some more blankets. I'll be right back. And I believed that too. And I went back and I sat on my couch for one, one second. And I was just like, I'll just sit here for one minute in the warm. And then I woke up uh, three hours later to Cooper coming back in. And I was just like, <laughs> I just was like, hey, uh, he goes, it's over. I was like, did you win? And he just goes, and then like slowly walks up the stairs because he could barely walk. Him and Sam had to be like carried home. They couldn't even move after that. So, you know, I think that it takes away the purity of the challenge somewhat that that one leg thing happened. But on the other hand, from a reality standpoint, we can't actually just stand there forever. Like we're, we're not like a real production team. We're college students. And at the end of the day, people had final exams. People had real lives. Like, like uh, I can understand if you're Brady and you're just sitting there, you're like, how much, like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And these guys might go for days and, at some point it has to end. Like, I don't think any of us honestly thought it would last through the night because it was so fucking cold. We thought for sure somebody would drop. They would just freeze to death. Like how we don't even know how safe it was at that point. Like, is it, is it safe for us to be out there for hours and hours of this frigid temperature? It's snowing. Like, I don't really blame him. I think that a lot of people might do the same thing in his position, to be honest. It's easy for him to watch it and say, well, it should go forever. Like, you don't know, but if you're the one in the moment and you've been out there for 12 hours, basically freezing your ass off, like, and it's just you and everybody else in production abandoned you, you might also be like, all right, like we, we have to, this has to end. It has to end. <laughs> so I don't really blame him, but from a viewer standpoint, yeah, like I would also prefer that it had just lasted forever. Damn it, Ian. Talk about I good TV. Left him there. I shouldn't have left him there, you know? <laughs> But well, well, that's the thing, though. Like, I, I genuinely like. Do you think that, that Sam would have stayed that much longer if the whole lifting oh, your leg no. thing hadn't been? Sam, introduced? it's pretty like established that Sam was about to drop out. Sam had the flu. Sam, uh, Sam actually, um, he was about he was gonna drop if, but when Brady announced one foot, he was like, "Wait a second, I can beat Cooper at this. I can stick with it." I think so, that's uh, that's what's that's what's the most aggravating is because obviously at that point because of the draft reasons I was pulling for <laughs> <laughs> Um 
so that's the most frustrating thing is like Cooper was this close and then so yeah at the end of the day though wasn't even at the end of the day though you shouldn't have to rely on winning the final challenge to make it to the end and Cooper didn't what about fucking the guy from what was that season the cowboy dude Josh that you really like who shouldn't have fucking won are you talking about Ben Oh, yeah, 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 but that's the, fi- that's, the that's, fucking fire. Yeah, that's well, that's why we don't do the stupid ass fire making twist in Survivor Michigan because that twist is <laughs> dumb as fuck, and they should never ever do that in Survivor Michigan. I, I'm I'm glad to know that to my knowledge they never have because it's insanely stupid, <laughs> and uh, everybody everybody hates that twist. I mean, but uh, if you play the it. if you play the game correctly, like Dale. Dale didn't win that final immunity and he was in the finals anyways because he had played the relationships right. And so it shouldn't just like, like I have no problem with you winning your way in. If Cooper had won that immunity and won the game at the end, you know, that would be totally legitimate, but he shouldn't have to rely on that. And so it's, it's not fair to say that like Cooper only lost the game because of that, because Cooper voted incorrectly the last five rounds of the game. And so, you know, Cooper maybe should have done a little something different at some point to end up in a different position. I don't disagree. I don't, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah, no, I got you. I understand how you feel, though. Like, obviously, I would have liked to see how long they would go forever. But also, that's the other thing. Like, from the good TV standpoint, if Sam was about to drop the way it went down, maybe it was better TV. As somebody who was pulling for Cooper in that moment, no. (laughs) (laughs) The fates were aligned against Cooper in this season. Looking back at... Is there like anything that you would want to change or maybe do different after you know you besides go besides Tom? Oh, yeah, yeah so besides I said the, the Tom, Tom thing. thing. Other than that, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, people were more annoyed about like the friend stuff and stuff like that than I expected they would be. But there's also not much I could have done about it really. Like that's what happened on the show, and I was never going to hide that. Um, uh, if anything, the one thing is I wish that I, if I had known everything I was going to do for All-Stars, I would edit some of the other seasons differently. Like, I would have given people theme, I would have given the same theme music to people in previous seasons, you know? Like, I would have had Kevin and Bailey have, like, their own theme in season two that then gets to come back in All-Stars for their last scene. I would have included the Megan Mitchell hashtag and stuff like that. Um, So there's stuff like that that I would have, uh, I would go back and, like, I would like Megan and Jackson, they have like a theme in this season and they in season four, they had a different theme and I would have it be the same theme, like stuff like that. I would like standardize it a bit, but um, so are we going to get Survivor Michigan one through five remasters? No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> Although I have I have what you might get is I have joked about the what I call the cat cut, which is uh, I believe there is an edit of season four. It would be like a one-hour special in which Cat looks like a genius and wins the game. And uh, <laughs> I believe with the footage that exists, it is possible to edit it in such a way that it looks like Cat is the is a robbed goddess and should win the game at the end. And so I've considered doing that at some point as like a joke because I think it would be pretty funny. So that might happen at some point. I don't know when, but I've that, I, that sounds amazing. I think it's fully possible, mainly because Cat filmed tons and tons of footage. And she always explains the plan. So all you have to do, usually what she's explaining is like, oh, Shannon told me this is what we're going to do. Dale told me this is what we're going to do. But all you have to do is cut out the part where she says that. And you just <laughs> you just make it look like Kat's the one coming up with all of these plans, you know? And she's the genius behind everything, basically. And, and people keep talking about voting Kat off 
but you can make it look like they're trying to vote her off because she's the biggest threat. Oh, it's we got to get rid of Cat, otherwise she's gonna win at the end. If she gets to the end, she's gonna win. And then uh, you just like Photoshop it or something such that everyone votes for Cat at the end unanimously. And you have all the people's stuff they're saying about Dale, but they're saying it for Cat, like, oh, he they controlled the entire game. Like, like it's obvious this person deserves to win. That's amazing. So, but in terms of All Stars editing. No, I'm actually I'm very very happy with how it turned out. It I had a very particular vision, and there was a lot of moments that I had had in mind for a really really long time, and all of those moments I think turned out about as good as they could have. So, um, I don't I really have a lot of regrets with the editing. So who's who's who do you think played the worst game? Oh, don't don't make me do that. Listen, listen, you said whenever we came on for that interview that you were that you wanted to give like your hot takes about who played the shittiest game and about moves that you didn't understand i i i don't think that aj played a very good post-merge i think they played a very good pre-merge i think in the post-merge almost every person that went home was the wrong person for them um they actually were really really good socially the first vote of the merge nick you know, Nick and AJ had done this like secret idol hunt together. Like they should have formed a secret alliance. There's no reason he should want Nick out there. He should want Sarah or somebody else out instead. Um, the next week, Kevin, Kevin, AJ is one of the only people in the game that Kevin was like actually working with and had like a relationship with. So he shouldn't have wanted Kevin out. Uh, Sarah, I'll sort of give him. He wasn't really working with Sarah, but Sarah wanted to work with him too. Emily B, he should not have let Emily B go home. Emily B trusted AJ more than anybody in the game at that point. And I know that like, that scene where Emily B is saying to him, I have this secret plan. I can't tell you about it, whatever. Like he's saying like, well, that's makes me not trust you. But in a certain way, it still should make him trust her because what she's saying is I do like, I do want to work with you. I'm just not like, I think that like, if he was reading her correctly, he would realize that she is showing how much she trusts him in a, in a different kind of way. Um, so I don't think Emily B was the right person for him to vote. There would have been much better for him if Bailey went and then voting off Megan also is not good for his game whatsoever. Um, Megan is one of the people that he should be trying to drag to the end. I think to beat. I think Megan, like a Megan Bree AJ final three is one that he clobbers. So like, those are the kinds of things he should have been angling for. And I don't think voting off Megan made a lot of sense. And then he votes himself out of the game. So I don't think he played a very good post merge as much as I love the guy. All that being said though, he still could have won. He still totally could have won. Um, but uh, I didn't think his poster was very good. All my other hot take is I think Megan played a pretty bad game overall, which people are going to fucking hate. <laughs> but the reality of the situation is that after the Abby bomb, there was 10 more episodes before Megan went out of the game. And in that time frame, she never builds another significant relationship with anybody. With anybody. Um she never is able to recover with Sam and AJ, despite the fact that, they, that Sam at least tries to work with her a bunch more times. Uh, the thing that Odawa has talked about, both Bailey and Cooper have discussed that the next week, the week that Will went out, that's when Megan should have 100% gone all the way in with Bailey, Cooper, and Andrew and been like, I am with you guys now. I have nobody. But she didn't do that. She didn't do anything. She just said, not me. Megan's whole thing, and I mean, Dale said it as, you know, in season four, Megan played the same game both times. Right? Megan is not very good at Survivor. She's a great character. She's amazing, amazing character. One of my favorite people who's been on the show. Um, but she's not very good at the game because she doesn't really have a strategy beyond just saying to people, not me, not me. In season four, she pretty much blows up El Norte. She flips. 
to Ben and Camila, or she flips to Ben and Katie, then flips back to Jack and Camila and blows up El Norte to where everyone hates each other. Then she spills all of their alliance secrets to Jackson, which gets Elisa voted off, gets Camila voted off, and pretty much puts her alliance on the bottom of the merge. And then she just like whines about it. Like, oh, well, how did, why does nobody want to work with me after she torched all of her allies' games? All-Stars is very similar. Like, she flips, she wants to flip on Sam, but then she tells AJ she's going to do that. It's like, if AJ's your number one ally, either tell him straight up, I'm flipping. You should flip also. Or just don't tell him. But what she did was like a half-ass version of it where she said to him, I might be flipping. I don't know. What should we do? Blah, blah, blah. Which led to Sam getting freaked off and all this stuff. And then pretty much after that, most of the post-merge, she's just pitching not me and actively telling people, don't vote me out because I'm a goat, which just made people cement in their head that she was a goat like i don't think telling people you're a goat is a good idea because it just made them think for sure she was a goat which would have led her to not have a real chance to win at the end um so and the biggest another one is that all these text messages that go around like um about bailey not trusting sam and all this kind of stuff i don't understand why megan why is she she gives kevin the text messages and then kevin talks to bailey and yada yada why is it Megan just go to Bailey herself? At no point does that ever happen. At no point does Megan ever say, I'm going to prove this is real and just go to Bailey. She doesn't do that because Megan's pissed off with Bailey because of the Abby thing, but she's also pissed off with Sam. And Bailey and Sam are against each other. So she's kind of like, Megan just doesn't want to, she doesn't want to work with anybody. So I don't think Megan played a very good game, but I know people are not going to like that take. But that's, that is the truth. She's an amazing, amazing character. Not very good at the game, as Dale said in season four. I think she played very similarly in All Stars. I can agree with that. It was it was a lot more of uh, it was the emotional side for me. I was just like, I don't want to see her vote oh, out. I love Megan. She's fucking amazing. She's <laughs> incredible TV. She's she's so compelling and like she's a great way of speaking. She's very very funny. She's fantastic. I'm glad we got her for like the vast majority of the season. Twelve out of fifteen episodes. Um, but you can be good at the show and not good at the game. <laughs> All right, Dustin, you got any more questions? Uh, nope. Well, Ian, you got anything else you want to say about the season and about editing or anything else? I don't know. I think, I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff, you know? Um, thank you guys for having nope. me. Obviously I love listening to you guys throughout you guys are uh, probably my favorite one of these to listen to just because I love your takes and uh, I just uh, really appreciate your sense of humor and think that you guys have a good, a good nature about it. So I appreciate your takes and, and love listening to you guys. And uh, if you guys do, you know, another CBS season or something, I'll, I'll be there listening. So we got one consistent fan. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys came back because you guys did only the second half of the season right but yeah. like that i got so excited like every there was me and sam were texting we were like oh they're back they're back the survivor analyst is back <laughs> we were so excited we were like oh yes let's fucking go these guys are the best so uh that was exciting you know as much as i love keep your torch with sam and those guys they know what happens so yeah. like, it's less fun for me to listen to them it's more fun for me to listen to people who don't know what happens so I appreciate it. I'm glad you guys, uh, Dustin, I, I'm curious because I remember when season four first started, you were like, not really, you were, you weren't super high on the whole college survivor thing. 
But now you've watched, you know, the longest college survivor season ever with these super long episodes and all this stuff. So like, I guess I'm curious, like, has your opinion like changed at all? Or did you just come around on it sort of at some point? I've definitely come around. I think I enjoy college survivor a hell of a lot more than CBS survivor. Probably, obviously, right, it's edited and there's a certain story being told, blah, blah, blah. But I also feel like there's a certain polishedness to uh, CBS Survivor that's come around um, that makes it a little less entertaining for me. So I think uh, College Survivor is a bit more greedy and it's a lot more fun to watch. There you go. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. And it was a great season. It was it was a blast to edit. It was a, a real passion project for me. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy with how it turned out, all the controversy and all. Um, I think it made for compelling TV. Thank you for coming on and talking about survivor michigan with us and i want to thank you for like being supportive of the podcast and coming on and talking to us and even that little cameo in season four of like the social media challenge yeah, like yeah that was so cool and uh yeah you guys I, were in the credits you guys were in the credits of the finale too. yeah and the credits mm-hmm. like everything like that we just like really appreciate that and yeah thank oh, you for yeah, coming dude. on